What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 59 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by Noise Accredited UK and sponsored by Stereo Brain Records. I am your host, Sasha Boy, Chris Pugh, and I'm joined, as ever, by my very good friend and Mr. Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. Mate, how are you on this very, very exciting one-off episode? I'm excited to be talking about what we're about to be talking about, man. This feels like a big moment for, for us and the people we are about to be discussing. We are a fortnightly rock and metal podcast brought to you by Noise at Cardi UK. On our last episode, we looked at new records from Mice and Men with their EP Timeless and Food Fighters Medicine at Midnight. Uh, I was also joined by, joined by, sorry, by Craig and Stu from the Young Hearts for a Chris Meets special. Uh, I mentioned that we are usually a fortnightly rock and metal podcast. Uh, we are adding an extra episode in this week specifically to review the new record from Architects for those that wish to exist. Before we get into the record, because we're going to dive straight in, there's so much I want to talk about. Follow us on Twitter at Noise Podcast. Give us a like and a subscription on YouTube if that's where you listen. We are also available on Spotify, Apple Music. Basically, wherever you listen to podcasts, me and Sam will be there. Uh, wherever that is, give us a like and a subscription. That is the best way to support the show and helps us and does us the world of good. Sam, uh, Architects for Those That Wish To Exist is out this Friday on Epitaph Records, that being the 26th of February. <sighs> right, Sam. Um, we received the album this morning. I yep. I was hoping that I would have longer to sit with it. When I saw that it was going to be 15 songs, I knew that this was going to be an album that, in an ideal world, I could really sit with for a while, for, sit with for a while sorry, and really pick apart its bones and look at certain segments, compare it to other albums, all that kind of stuff. In a way, not being able to do that because of time constraints has done us a favour and in other ways it's taken some things away regardless. Uh, I've listened to it three times today. How many times have you gone through it? Um, two and a half. I took it with me on a bike ride, but it kept pausing. So I've listened to it twice in full and about, I've listened to like a highlights reel. So two and a half, two and three quarters perhaps. Well, you mentioned it just as we came into the show. For me, Sam, this feels like a real event for alternative music, does it not, this record? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think following the Albert Hall um, crowd-free show with the new album, it does feel like a one-two punch um, for Architects making a move towards a upper echelon of alternative metal bands and placing them among some of their higher contemporaries, a couple of which appeared on this album. Well, if I can just be selfish for a moment, I'm sure. so happy. I'm incredibly happy that regardless of what we think or what anyone thinks of this record, I'm so happy that architects are in this position where we're saying for those to, that wish to exist, it does feel like an event. I, I followed architects for seven years. I've seen them in 600 capacity venues all the way through to Alexandra Palace and Wembley Arena. And the first time I ever saw architects live, uh, they were supporting of mice and men on the at the pit stage reading festival which and i don't mean any slides to have my some men here but considering the position of both bands now that is quite a hilarious idea isn't it that architects would be supporting of my some men anywhere and i've kind of watched the the real growth of architects really start moving forward after i caught on and obviously the release um lost together lost forever and I think if you, Sam, if you look at a list of the last 
you know, the 10 best British metal records from the last decade, at least two are from Architects. I think that's fair to say. I think their Lost Together, Lost Forever, All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us, Holy Hell run up to this point has been relatively peerless in mm. terms of British metalcore, British hardcore music, British alternative music, what blanket they fit under. You'll be hard pushed to find a band of architects size produce albums of this consistent quality. With that said, Sam, you would think that every single signal would point to architects playing it safe and continuing to capitalise on the huge following they've picked up right. Because as you just mentioned, they've released this trio of albums that have then put them in the biggest position they've ever been in. It goes without saying, without this trio of albums, Architects would absolutely not be headlining Wembley Arena. We were there. It was amazing. I feel like them having the courage to make this step, regardless of how many you think about it, we're going to go into that in a moment. I think them having the courage to make this step is what will define them in the end. I think that's I think that's an interesting point that you make. I will push back slightly um, on the sense that circumstances have dictated a change. Um, obviously, it's one that they can't control. But given that Tom Searle wrote so much of the material, mm. his passing has probably not been the, the deciding factor, but I think has absolutely has changed the, man, the manner in which architects write songs. Although I, I agree with you that, they, that the, they didn't have to go in this direction at all and they could have attempted to replicate it. I think that the circumstances around Holy Hell and the material that they had for Holy Hell and the material that they now have for, um, for those who wish to exist is a very different well that they're drawing from. Um, so I think it's uh, I think it's half and half. Um, I think that it was always going to sound different because of these circumstances. But what's refreshing, and obviously we'll get to this at the time in, in due course, I'm sure, is that it doesn't sound like the band are attempting to either recapture previous glories, remake Holy Hell, or it doesn't actually feel at all like they're actually trying to go in a completely different direction either. This actually feels like a nice bridge. It feels like a, a healthy transition, which considering the circumstances you're talking about, isn't it great that we can talk about Architects um, having an album that's an event? Isn't it great that we can talk talk about Architects having an album? Yeah, of course. Um, that's a great point. Given the, given, given the, I mean, I, I, it's easy to play the results and be like, well, of course, I'll just hire another guitarist. And of course, I'll just, it doesn't always work like that. No. And the material that they had, that guy isn't, isn't here and he's not writing those that material and it would have been easy to be like holy hell was a tribute it could have been easy for them to be like that holy hell was a full stop on that version of architects and that band and that idea and they could have gone in a completely different direction they didn't have to and obviously it makes business sense and again if we play the results of course they're going to do it because they've done it um but i i don't underestimate for a second the gravity of them continuing to produce music let alone music that sounds like architects well tom searle was the lead songwriter for the band previously and i was really astonished and taken aback by dan searle the drummer his ability to completely take over the songwriting craft and still get an album written as absolutely phenomenal as holy hell was i mean i 
um, I, I will fight to the death for holy hell. In for me, is the is the best British metal record of the last ten years, and for them to have produced that, and for Dan to take over the songwriting reins and, and be able to craft such a a record that was just so far ahead of almost everything else, or almost all of its other peers, especially in British metal. Well, I was all, I was always you, taken aback by. You give the caveat of British metal. I'm just trying to do the math in my head. How far back would you have to go where you found a British metal album that you would consider better? Oh, it might mate. be 20 years. It might be 25. Uh, I, I really just off the top of my head because of all the great metal bands in the last 20 to 25 years, a lot of the huge ones have been American or Australian. Yeah. Or, um, British metal has not had a band like Architects since I don't know. I don't know. It's I don't hard. Think Off the top of my head, it's hard, mate. I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's been a, a British metal band that has captured audiences in this manner no. and has been this successful as a British metal band really since I want to go as far and say maybe the eighties or the nineties, um, mm. because the the big bands that broke out were all were all all American pretty much from nineteen eighty five onwards. Um, and obviously, British metal is going undergoing a bit of an explosion, and we've talked about that in. Um, in giddy terms about while she sleeps and architects and several other bands that are rightly flying the flag for what is um, a resurgent period but i think architects as this album i think has proved um are in a bit of an anomaly still aren't yeah. they in terms of the way they produce songs and the way that they write them and just the the way that they sound in general um they are one of one at least certainly in the last 20 to 25. well when you when you when you discuss that, of course, if we're talking about ten of the great British metal records of the last ten years, Bring Me the Horizons, Sempaternal be in there. Uh, also, for me, Bring Me the Horizons, There Is a Hell would be in there. Uh, Black Peaks would be in there. While she couple of While she sleeps records would be in there. The Book of Souls by Iron Maiden, uh, suppose would be in there. I mean, I've never heard it, but I know that album was incredibly well revered. Uh, the last uh, Judas Priest album, Firepower, was incredibly well revered. So that would yeah, that, be at in that there point, as well. at that point, you're pointing out bands from 1980s, aren't you? Then, so yeah. do you know what I mean? So there's like a whole 20 year gap where it's been the 70s explosion, Sabbath, you know, Priest, uh, Maiden, and then like this 20 year gap where we're all listening to American stuff, and now this sort of this sort of growth period. I think it's um, I think it's a um, massive feather in Architects' cap at this stage. Aren't the release singles, obviously, from the record and singles released met with some people saying this is the greatest thing you could have done, uh, specifically Animals, Dead Butterflies and Black Lungs I'm referring to here. Also, on the other side of that coin, met with, I was really hoping you would just stick around and, and be a metal band. <laughs> and, and for me, Sam, I come back at that with, what for? Like, what what more could pos architects possibly have written that's that's metal? Like me and you said before, like off air speaking privately about architects, I said to you they will never write a better metal album than Holy Hell. There's no way they'll write a better metal album than that. I, I revere and love that album so much that I just don't think it would be possible for them to ever beat that in terms of that specific writing structure. So I ask you, Sam. Let's just pretend that they did stay down that metal path and go where with it. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. It would be more of the same, wouldn't it? Or a let's go faster, let's go heavier type of um, type of 
type of movement. But it's it's not it's not just um, it's not just it's not just what for it, it it's it's sort of it's sort of they're not again I have to go I go back to they're not necessarily that that band anymore. But at the same time, listen to this album. I mean, we're not dis- we're not discussing contemporary pop music here. No, no. There are there are several several moments of this album where it is very heavy mm. and really metal and has some moments where I was like, oh, that could be a part that could be a riff on All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us. Oh, yeah. that could be on Lost Together, Lost Forever. Oh, that could be here. That could be there. That I could have heard that in 2008 and it wouldn't have it wouldn't have sounded out of place. Um, and that's 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 all we need. Uh, that's all that. There's no need to ask for the the entirety of the metal repertoire here. Um, I think I think the band bands that bands that keep reducing the same music stagnate. Um, yeah. There is not there is not a band in the world I think ever <laughs> that has <laughs> produced the same sounding album every two years that have grown. Yeah. Like once you've got past five or six albums, the even like. You might be like, oh, but ACDC, have they ever been bigger than Back in Black? No. They've they they've just maintained you, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Do you know mm. what I mean? So mm. you've got to you've got to progress. What you're essentially saying to architects by saying, I wish you were a metal band, is I wish I could see you in a 2008 venue. Mm. And I wish you could make a little bit less money. Yeah, I yeah. wish I didn't I, w- I wish I didn't have to wait for an hour on Ticketmaster to come and see you. And I wish I could stand at the barrier and shake your hand. And it's it's a very selfish fan-driven opinion. And it's it's all well it's all well and good to feel like that, and that's absolutely fine. But it's not the best thing for the band. And over the last three to five albums, architects, like you've said, have nailed this genre. Yeah. They have they have they have reached probably the peak of what this genre can be. And the thing is, is they have also progressed progressed it and progressed with their mu- music on this album like they did with Holy Hell, like they did with All Our Gods of Abandonus. You could hear even as far back as All Our Gods of Abandonus I would argue, you could hear this you could hear where this was going you could, Yes, I think you, you might hear point points. There. You can hear points in All Our Gods of Abandonus. Not I mean, not loads, but I mean, listen to Gone With The Wind and you don't you don't see where this is going with them writing that song um, Listen to um Royal Beggars, you listen to the chorus on that. You don't hear where they're going with this. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the, the album after. If you ex, if you expected Architects to be um, releasing like Daybreaker and Gravedigger for 15 years, you haven't been paying attention because they've been leaving the breadcrumbs in their albums every two years about the direction that they're going. But also, They've maintained what still makes them a brilliantly heavy, dark band, but they've just juxtaposed it with this progression. And I don't, I don't see an issue with it at all. I think it's a very knee-jerk reaction that people give. That they hear one or two singles and think, all right, that's it. That you know, it's it's all over. They're going to sound like um, they're going to sound like MGK or something. And it's it's just ridiculous. No, it, it, do you know what I mean? They hear a chorus and they think it's a it's a radio push. There are moments of melancholy and melody on here. But there was also breakdowns and really heavy sections and riffs and stuff. Just it is what it is what it is. But also, it's it's a nice balance. I think I think it works. I'm gonna throw something at you now. See what yeah. see what you think of it. If you think I'm really far off, I think this record for Architects put prior to me pressing play, 
I felt like they're in same position as Bullet for My Valentine prior the release of Temper Temper. Arena band, arena level band, they're right there. One more group. One second. One second. One second. (laughs) One more great album, and they could legitimately hit superstar status. But Bullet for My Valentine released Temper Temper which is an absolute turkey and a stinker, a terrible record. And it signalled their career almost turning upside down. But for my Valentine is still a particular, very sizable band and they do very well for themselves and make a lot of money. However, they were right. I mean, dude, you saw Bring Me The Arise to support Bullet For My Valentine at the LG Arena in Birmingham. It's like 16,000 people. Bullet For My Valentine were, were literally on the edge. One more great album and they could have been we could still be talking about it from Valentine never in real huge superstar status. It didn't work out for them. So for, no. before I press play on this record, I, I thought in my head, that's where we are here. If this is an absolute turkey from architects, it might not completely undo all of the greatness that they've done before. Because let's not remember, this is their ninth album. Nine albums for architects. I think Temper Temper was like Bullet from Valentine's fourth. Architects have had to really fight and claw for every fan they've had to get, which is what makes their position now feel so great to me to see as someone who's followed them for seven years. And like I say, there's people that have been following Architects for a lot longer than me. Um, So for the people that were there back when Architects were doing like Hollow Crown and Ruin, how pleased must, must they be to see this? Regardless, Sam, the point I was making is, that's the position I, I feel like architects were in prior to pressing play. One more great album. They could legitimately become superstars. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a fair assessment. They have, um, they have reached the ceiling of what this genre can do for a band. Um, where they're playing Wembley Arena, where they're playing Alexandra Palace. That's the ceiling for a metal band. It is? Yeah. It is. And you people can point to Iron Maiden and Metallica, uh, but they had to release hit songs mm. and if uh, Rudd to the Hills and Ed to Sandman came out in 2021 people would say that it was radio hunting trash in the same way that they did in 1991 and 1982 and that's that's just the way that it is music has evolved um so yeah I, I, I would agree I would agree I would have absolutely had them on the precipice of what what you refer to here in terms of being a download headliner in terms of being a stadium selling rock band or an alternative act, um, they were absolute. They are absolutely on the precipice. As you press that button, definitely. As we get into discussing the record, Sam, I feel like for those that wish to exist is uh, an almost at times monumental feat of courageous songwriting and huge, beautiful chorus melodies. At fifteen tracks, Sam, this record feels like a real performance to me it's grander than holy hell it's bigger it's more expansive there's more drama and i I would suggest to say that even even outside of the circumstances the the tone of the songs is probably deeper um holy hell was a balled up football of fury you know that sort of whizzed through 10 to 12 tracks that had you know moments of of reflection but really was a furious emotional album um those that wish to exist absolutely feels more reflective um feels more melodic and like i said uh, feels 
bigger, feels feels grander, feels um, orchestral, um, both literal and metaphorical in some cases, um, and feels like a very deliberate composition to to be an expansive, an expanded version of whatever architects were capable prior to this album. They have pushed the boundaries of what they are trying to be capable of on this. They have gone further in terms of their ambition, in terms of their sound, in terms of their song construction um, than they have in any album. This is um, this is the leap they were waiting to make and they've been, um, in terms of songwriting, I think, um, in terms of the, the risks they're taking. Mm. Um, and they've been hinting at this for a few years, like I mm. said earlier. And it's very clear that this is the uh, right, let's go for it sort of album. And they really are going for this. I mean, there's a, it's not progressive in terms of that sense, but it feels like a concept album almost in terms of the size and grandeur of of the music. And it has 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 occasional has occasional drawbacks. I think as an overall piece, I think it's. Um, I think there are a couple of tracks that that that, that are okay that sort of let it down in terms of the sense that uh, it's not perfect from start to finish in the way that Holy Hell was. I think I think this is a touch like two tracks too long for me personally. There's a couple of songs that feel like album tracks don't necessarily need to be there um but that is a minor drawback on an overall incredibly um, impressive follow-up to one of the most difficult albums in contemporary alternative music to have followed i'm going to put something to you here we are both mm. in agreement that architects were never going to better holy hell in terms of that specific song structures yeah i think i think i think architectural their, their holy hell is their master of puppets so I would say then, had Architects stayed in that remit of trying to create songs similar to those on Holy Hell and staying as a quote-unquote modern metal band, I think their next album, let's say that for those who wish to exist, was the follow-up to Holy Hell in terms of sonically, I feel like it would have probably been 80% as good. Would you yeah. take 80% of Holy Hell over this record? No, no. I, this, 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 this record need this record needed to happen. Yeah, for this for this band, um, this absolutely is what the band should have done, and they've made exactly the right decision in doing so. And okay. if you if you want to look for reference, it's worked out for Parkway, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> like in the last few years, they made a similar sort of decision. And again, I mean, I'm not pointing out that pointing out the risk like it was an easy decision to make. The risk reward of this is huge because this could have gone badly. This could have gone very badly. Um, you listen to some of these songs and the, the focus on melodic choruses and the focus on power chord, left-hanging sort of riffs, you know, that don't have a lot of the dexterity that Architects riffs have had before. You know, they're usually these fast-paced, dexterous thrash metal almost riffs in the in the early days and they've just abandoned that most of the time now it's there from time to time but for these simplistic corded head bobbing groovy riffs now when that works it's sizable and chunky and radio perfect and we'd say it'll sound fantastic live and and that sort of stuff but if it didn't this could have sounded repetitive and slow and mid-tempo yeah the and and that would have those have been those of words that we have never associated with architects, good, bad, or indifferent. And that could have been massively damaging. Um, because um the metal community 
is as unforgiving as it is loyal. Sometimes it's just a completely diametrically opposed in that way. So I absolutely think this needed to happen. I think that it was a difficult step to take and a brave one to take, but it was also the best one for the band at this stage. And I think they've nailed it. Mate, they've, it? I, I, they've absolutely nailed it. Do you dream of Armageddon? That intro, mate, I had goosebumps, like, immediately. The strings... Very Avengers, wasn't it? Mate, the strings, Sam's vocals, I genuinely felt like I was about to hear something really important. And and that's with my bias to one side. I, I can assure, I mean, people, anyone's listening to this podcast or anyone that knows me is listening to this podcast, they'll know that Architects are my favourite bands, but I, I assure you... If this was a stinker, I would let you know it's a stinker. Just like I would, I would let you know where if any record that I listened to was bad. Uh, green, I, I always use Green Day as that example, Sam. I am torturously harsh on Green Day albums because post two thousand eight, they're awful. So yep. with this, I would have absolutely confirmed if this record didn't work. But this transition has been absolutely nailed. The only single you listened to was Animals, wasn't it? You specifically wanted to stay away from singles and wait till you got the full piece right. I listened to Dead Butterflies once. Dead Butterflies once. Right, okay. Mate, Black Lungs, that kind of genty, low-tuned architect's riff that they've mastered over the last three records. But that lyric, Black Lungs for the young if they dare to breathe, and then that wow-wow, sure feels like heaven to me. That that hook on that vocal line from Sam Carter, tell me when he could have done that previously on any other record. It had to be here, right? It did, it did have to be there, but it also is a fantastic juxtaposition of what architects have always been good at and what they are newly good at in terms of the, the vocal style of, of, of Sam Carter taking risks in terms of the melodic um, tones that he's using. But it's also mixed with a tremendously heavy main riff. Yeah, and yeah, it is. There's a, there's a, there's a concluding break there, and they haven't sacrificed a, a, a drop of heaviness. Um, this felt a little um, bring me the early bring me the horizon esque, that mid mid tier bring the horizon like sort of uh, step eternal. There is a hell, there is a hell type of stuff in terms of the the, the, the combining the heaviness with this with this melody. Chunky, massive, um, huge chorus, which is again is a central focus. Um, I know we're going to go through each song individually, but I just want to say as a general point, I think the first seven tracks of this are utterly perfect. Oh my God, the way they're that, amazing. The, just, the, just the way that it's ordered, um, the way that it goes from each one, uh, starting out the gates with this first seven, uh, I, it's just terrific. I mean, the, the album could have ended there, it'd probably be a five-star album. Um, just one after the other, it's just absolutely humongous. But Black Lungs following um, The Dream of Armageddon is just a terrific, just terrific opener. And it sets the stall out, that set the tone immediately about this type of album that this is going to be. It's a great choice for an opening, but it's also really heavy, really chunky and really groovy and really nasty. It's a terrific start. I think the Black Lungs was the ideal choice for second track on the album because obviously Black Lungs is about climate change, uh, specifically uh, inspired by, they were going to record this album in Australia. However, when they were in Australia, it was when the bushfires were taking place. So they had to uh, retreat and go elsewhere. And there was a point where the, I believe uh, Dan, a drummer, was told that he couldn't take his child in walking around town because there was a great chance that there would be severe damage on his child's lungs if he, they were to breathe in this 
black smoke that's just surrounding Australian air at that particular moment. And architects, of course, anyone who has listened to an architect song knows that they're very, very much, they, they write very, very much based on things that really, really matter, uh, kind of social constructs, climate change, uh, factors of abuse. Architects have always been a really serious band. And I think that to, to open with Do You Dream of Armageddon as an intro and then go straight to Black Lungs, directly attacking climate change, makes perfect sense and, and sets up what this album is going to be about. It's still going to be this really serious diatribe of what's wrong with the human, human race, with these kind of sprinkles of more succinct and effervescent discussions of uh, death and the afterlife. Going through each track individually, I'm, I'm not sure whether that's something that we'd, we'd have to necessarily do in terms of uh, describing the sound of this record, because I actually feel like, Sam, this record is one that is actually quite difficult to describe the sound of as an entire piece. There's certainly a lot of variation um, in the last third of the album, especially. Yeah. And there's that, there's that breakup point at track eight. Uh, which is uh, uh, flight without, without feathers. Flight without feathers. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and that's that's very clearly almost like a palate cleanser mm. in the middle of the album. Um, so I think I mean I think there is a there's a general theme the theme of their sound. I, I absolutely think that. I mean the, the the guitar tone is consistent throughout. The song structures obviously sort of sort of differ, especially in that first seven. We get a wide variety. We get a sort of hits collection. Of what architects are particularly great at. I mean, I, I think um, I think that just the the really the, the run from three through to seven is just astonishing. Really, uh, giving blood is like a Linkin Park est introduction with this sort of piercing guitar oh, of powerful beating heart at the start. But again, humongous chorus that doesn't feel overplayed. Um, the the mid tempo style. Um, took me off guard because it suits them. Mm. This thumping, driving beat really, really allows them to to focus um, on the, the the raw sound of the guitars, and it just allows everything to sound much more percussive and punching and impactful. Every note feels more hitting it. It absolutely works, and this is terrific. Can I ask you, as Dan Searle, because he's now lead songwriter? I think people forget how amazing he is on the drums. Mate, the drumming on this album, and specifically Giving Blood for me, I think is phenomenal. You're the drummer, yeah. so you can pick apart the technicalities much better than I can, but I think the drumming has always been top-notch in Architects. But Dan Searle on this album is yeah. really brilliant. Yeah, those Tom rolls on the verse of, 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 giving, of Giving Blood are just, are just fantastic. Um, what What's... What, What's always standing about Dan Searle's drums is he's, he's absolutely not afraid to um, divert away from the traditional metal tropes that every drummer seems to just sink back into. Oh, it's a fast riff, I'll play a blast beat. And oh, it's a hardcore um, hardcore riff, I'll, I'll, I'll play 4-4. Four, four. And oh, it's a breakdown, I'll do the slow china thing. He's never, ever settled with that. And he's terrific at moving around the kit and incorporating his hi-hat and his snare drum. Um, the intro to Dead Butterflies is another example of this with that snare roll on the introduction, just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, even going back to earlier, early, earlier songs on previous albums, you always heard it. You listen to the drums on Doomsday, they're just remarkable. Um, but this is just another example of this. Uh, I mean, as well, shout to drummers writing songs. 
Um, it's yeah. Dan, it's Dan Searle and Neil Pearce that come to mind in terms of, uh, and and the guy who sings in a tray who also plays the drums uh, and, yeah. and maybe the rev for a bit. I mean, it's it's a very short list in terms of drummers having this much of a writing impact on bands. And it, it actually, I mean, it's maybe stereotypical to say, oh, the the, the drums, the, the drum, the drummer writes the songs, so it sounds really slow and punchy and percussive, but it absolutely feels like you can tell the drummer wrote the song because everything feels slow and percussive and yeah. punchy. And there's these gaps in space, you know. Um, great riff work is just like great writing, great, great speech giving. It's it, the the gaps in between each note are just as important as the notes themselves, and that gives this a real power and just poise uh, and, and and real beating heart through it, as I mentioned, mentioned earlier. I don't feel like any track on this record describes what this record actually is better than Discourse is Dead. Because it's vintage architects, isn't it? Mate, it meets the two worlds of 2014 to 2019 architects with this new chapter that we're seeing here. And it is incredible. They're played that at Royal Albert Hall and you could tell, oh, this would be a really great song. But here in the studio version, Sam screams, uh, visceral as ever. The riffs are almost beatdown-esque, but that transition to the epic chorus is done so wonderfully. Sam, Sam's vocals on this album are out of this world. There's a choir included as well. Uh, those kind of final beats of So Sing Us a Sad Song, Sing Us to Sleep. Great chorus hook. Discourse is dead. Well, I'm certain that's going to be a hit in Architect's set list for the rest of the time that they're, they're a band. What a ridiculously good song. You absolutely, you absolutely read my mind. In fact, my notes <laughs> pretty much echo <laughs> what you just said, sort of word for word. Um, saying it's massive. Of course, apart that par muted riff just at the introduction is just phenomenal, just chunky and powerful. Um, I didn't expect the violins at the end. Oh. I thought that was a lovely, I thought that was a lovely touch. It, this feels... It feels like I said, like we have the same point. I suppose this metaphorically sort of bridges the band's two sounds. It feels like all our gods have abandoned us with a modern sort of twist on it. And again, if you're an Architects fan and you're like, where's the heaviness? It's it's fucking there, dude. Like yeah. like the, these opening tracks are huge. Uh, and this is not a cash grab at all. This is not a radio sell at all. This is huge, expansive, epic songs with a thumping beat underneath and just this... That that um, that sort of breakdown, beatdown esque riff that sort of punctuates throughout this album is classic Architects. You could have put that riff on any Architects album the last fifteen years, and it, it would not sound different. Obviously, the recording quality might be a bit strange, but aside from that, it just it fits right in, and it, it's it's a wonderful coalescence of what they've been doing previously and clearly what they're moving into at this moment. I haven't stopped listening to Dead Butterflies, Sam, since the single was released. Watch it at Royal Albert Hall. I messaged you and I said, dude, when you watch this show, they play a song off a new album called Dead Butterflies and you will be stunned at what it sounds like, at the production, the strings, the size of it all. You'd only listen to it, the single, once prior to this because, as we discussed, you wanted to stay away and ha yeah. have it all in one piece. Sam, I think, I think Dead Butterflies is up there with my favourite song that Architects have ever done. I'm just so, so in love with its size and how it's just inescapably capturing. It's fantastic. The horns at the start, it's, oh. it's S&M-esque, isn't it? It's just absolutely yeah. humongous. 
Um, they, have a, they have a manipulation of their melodies and their song choruses that's just unmatched by any of their contemporaries. It, ju it just is. Um, there is a ability to, to create these simplistic hooks over these huge choruses that sort of immediately embed into your ears and into your hearts and your mind and that sort of stuff that combines beautifully with the, the, the riff style that they've sort of brought together, the mixing of the electronics and the synths and the violins and the actual guitar work and the band themselves all coming together. It just provides this really textured, layered sound. This is a huge, huge song. And this is, this. obviously we both watched the, the Albert Hall thing, but this with a crowd oh is God. going to be, some of these songs are going to kick the doors off live. They're just huge, huge songs. And that's, that's they're making they're making the leap because you can't play songs like this in front of 2,000 people. <laughs> no, these, no, these songs, no. These songs, these songs are written for 30 to 40,000 seat venues and 20,000 seat venues. These are stadium songs. These are, these are just so huge. And it's, I, I agree. It's, it's terrific. Can I ask what your two songs that you would have dropped were? Cause there is two that I would have dropped as well. I would have dropped flight without feathers. Right. And I would have dropped demigod. Demigod was also one of mine. I personally, would have dropped an ordinary extinction as well not because i think either of those are bad songs and i love how an ordinary extinction kind of opens with breakdown timings which really caught me off guard and there's I a really the intro to that mate there's a really wicked lyric in there uh complicity burning so bright yet we delay it's genius um but those were those were the two tracks that i thought because I, I personally do feel like this album is seven to eight minutes too long I agree. Not that either of these are bad songs, but it's just an ordinary extinction and demigod is just going to my head where I, I feel like the rhythm and impact of the album just dips down a little bit. Although, like I said, with that said, a track that opens with breakdown timings, <laughs> I will absolutely take I'll absolutely take on the record. And I think that kind of sums up how much I think of this record, that I think an ordinary extinction is a really good solid song that would absolutely fit into any most other architects records but just on this one I, I, I would just give it the cut sam I, i've been the, the the second i heard it i thought this is the song that i, I want to speak to sam about my impermanence with winston mccall on uh, our best friend leon I, i'm gonna i'm gonna pay him to video for us his reaction to this song um it you could tell the second in, like if you hadn't, if you blindfolded me and said one of these songs has got Winston McCaw on, the moment I heard the first 30 seconds, I'd be like that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it, it, it's, it's, they've almost deliberately written it in like this Parkway Drive reverence style, where it's this pounding, bass heavy, mid-tempo stop at the start. Um, I actually, I actually think that it feels like the band themselves and the whole song is waiting for Winston to come in. It is, almost yeah. to the almost almost to the point where it's a detriment to the first three minutes of the song, mm. which is fine. If Winston McCall wasn't in this song, I, I it'd be an album track for me. Yes, um, I agree. But, but when <laughs> oh my god, Winston's fucking <laughs> guest on this. To die will never truly live, and just the kicks right in, mate. I am oh. listening to this album in between lessons, just punching my laptop, like this fucking, like, there's just stuff flying all over the place, just blew my head off. 
absolutely blew my head off. And I was, when he started doing a spoken word, I thought, please, let's not just, if he just comes on and reads some lines of poetry and fucks off, I'm going to be so upset. <laughs> but luckily that you don't, you don't hire the man for his, um, for his literature. And, and that's and that's what he brought in here to do. And I think I think it's just terrific. And it just takes the song to a completely different level. And reminds us once again, is there a is there a better hardcore metal vocalist than Winston McCaw? No. Probably not. No. Um is is there is, you know one man, one scream. I think you'd want his, wouldn't you? It's just absolutely extraordinary. Um but yeah. Uh, it, it, it's waiting for him, but that last two minutes more than makes up for it, I think. Yeah, I do feel like the, the track is 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 set up specifically and written specifically for a Winston McCall yeah. guest vocal. But when that comes with that breakdown, my God, that is that is just so explosive. And fortunately, Sam Carter is such a tremendous vocalist that performing that live won't be a problem, but there will be a day where Winston McCall is able and he's standing stage side waiting to come on and do that guest. And if there is a God, I will be there <laughs> to see it. Uh, I, I pray that I am there to see that because that would just be uh, an insane, insane scenario to watch unfold. Just in the crowds, absolutely come unglued. Uh, Fly with their feathers, Sam. Sorry, go on. I was just saying, there's just a parallel universe in, in, a, in a couple of years where it's going to be a joint headline. Isn't yeah, I sincerely hope so. All the same thing that me and you have constantly gone on about all the time. Just fucking put Bring With It Horizons, the headline, and architects have a sub-headline. Just, just do it. Just fucking do it. Like, they did it at all points east, and supposedly ticket sales weren't great for that day, and that kind of thing. I don't care. Download. Bring With It Horizons headline, architect sub-headline. It's the best way to, to show off um, and get a, a good handle on a youthful crowd, and then put fucking Iron Maiden or a legacy act on the Sunday like you always do, and a middle of the ground act on the Saturday. J just do it, fucking hurry up. Um, Flight Without Feather, Sam, you said you would have dropped this, but I actually thought this was the point where you could absolutely pick out the progression that Sam's voice has made. I know that Dead Butterflies does as similar as well, but more so than Dead Butterflies, I feel like this could be a pop song. And I don't mean that in the sense of it's been dumped down. The, dumped down, sorry. The melody is just so beautiful and uh, infectious and gorgeous to listen to. This is a pop song. This is a pop song in the style of Architects. Yeah, I think I like it for its role within the album more than I like it as an individual song. I think it's, I think it's important that it's in this album. Yeah. Um, but as an individual song, I, I won't be listening to it regularly. It's just not my, I might not my cup of tea. I think I think melody's nice. It's well listenable, but um, it just doesn't 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 grab me. It's you know, it feels like an introduction for something else, almost like it's slowly building up into um, another section of the album. But I like it as a midpoint uh, benchmark because the the second port the second portion of the album is where they take a couple of risks as well obviously with the concluding track and and, and, one, and a couple more um guest appearances and things like that so um i don't mind it for what it does but same with you with return to extinction it doesn't do enough for me uh, good to my head that's one of the ones i'd lose little wonder has got mike kerr on from royal blood when i saw that mike was guesting on this record even with an album that's also got simon neil guesting on i looked at that and thought 
that's interesting. What what could they possibly do to make those transitions work? Because two more different bands you couldn't find in Royal Blood and Architects. I think it was the right track, track to have Mike on. It's this big, thick rock song. And that is yeah. until there's this absolutely massive metal riff that explodes out of the bridge. And it's like yeah. uh, it's like this record gives you just enough of Architect's former style that if that's what you're obsessed with, there's still enough here for you. But it also pushes you into this much more eclectic, fresh version of the band. And that metal riff that explodes out of the bridge on this song is a great summation for that, I feel. Yeah, it's it's a nice it's a nice transition. I, I I do naturally think that the second half is better than the first, um, but I think that just suits my my taste as a music fan. I think if you if you put this in front of someone who's a big fan of Raw Blood, I think they'd enjoy this as a as a as a as a hard rock, you know, with popcorn stylings in it as well. Um, it has what's the advantage is that um, Royal Blood Royal Blood would sound much better if Architects were the band, wouldn't they? Yeah, no, all, um, no, if, I like Royal Blood, by the way, and all due respect to Royal Blood. But, but if Architects are your backing band, um, yeah. it, there's just a certain sheen that you're yeah. getting in the in the in the backdrop. Um, it's just it just that's what it sounds like when you're more than one guitarist and a drummer. It just has that power, and it allows it allows um, allows the song to sort of breathe a bit of life. I was surprised actually. I thought I thought the actual feature was smaller than I thought I expected. Yeah, it was certainly it was certainly less than the the, the other two. Um, um, rightly so, obviously. I think in terms of um, the way that you structure the song around those two singers, um, it just felt like a rock song to get him in, and then Architect sort of decided three minutes in, like fuck this, let's let's, let's sort of change gear a little bit, and and, and it, it's it's sort of like a tale of two halves a little bit. But again, it in terms of what they're doing and what they're pushing for, it's a it's a fitting contemporary, as is the, the next song, Animals. Now, when you hear it amongst all the others now, it sits very well, doesn't it? Mm, absolutely. And and I said, when we about 15, 20 minutes ago, I said, uh, we might not need to go through every track and then here I am going through every track and it's because I've realised there's actually, I've got enough notes that I've got something to say for every track. Um, yes, give me both. Mate, Four Animals. Animals is the lead single off the record. Animals is actually Sam Carter's favourite song that architects have ever done. I read uh, his piece in Metal Hammer with Stephen Hill today. Um, and, and I feel like, actually, that kind of makes sense. Because, mate, that chorus hook on Animals, that if you're an Architects fan, you would have heard several times by now. But, mate, that chorus hook on Animals, it really is special, isn't it? Absolutely. As is the, 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 they don't get the riff any rock any more right than they do animals. The pounding mid-tempo style is perfect here. It's even got like a metallic sound on the snare hit that kind of feels like Slipknot. Yeah. It's like just a smidge. The dun dun. Yeah. And it's got yeah. that that real sort of like click to it, and it 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 it, it, it brilliantly works. Um, and it's getting you know it's getting radio on airplay. I yeah. heard it. I heard it at four o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday on Radio One. Uh, and there it is. Before, about a week before Christmas. And there it is. Like, here's your Christmas shopping, by the way. Here's Architects after that Dua Lipa. And it's like, what? <laughs> and that... <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, and, they've, you know, they've changed the lyric. It's broken animals on Radio One. Fine. 
Um, and it, it fits and it sounds quite and, a, and a, it's, it's quite on radio. And it's the Black Album uh, Coralie. This, like every song on this album, is going to sound fantastic in nightclubs. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. This is so thick and bass heavy and booming and pummeling. This is, I mean, here's the thing as well. Like, if you're not an Architects fan and you'd seen them live at any point before 2018, you didn't really know how the songs were going, what exactly could you do live? You just sort of stand there and nod along. Yeah. Yeah, you sort of be energetic. Maybe you'd go in a pit. But you couldn't really, like, sit back take them in. You have to be into Architects, right? And I realised this because the first time I saw them, they played a few tunes off the earlier records. I knew anecdotally, mm. you know, and I'm sort of like, you two are like kicking off, screaming every word and stuff. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, riffs, riffs pretty good. Yeah. Oh, there's a change of tempo. I'll nod my head faster. And, 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 and now there's a real um, accessibility mm. to Architects, especially when they play live, especially when you hear them in nightclubs. And that's the thing. Um, and it, it does really boil down to it. If you can hear the lyric, if you can hear the chorus once and sing it, and you can hear the riff and hum it to your friend, that is a more impactful way of attracting listeners than you being like, look, um, fucking listen, look, look, go with the wind. It's read, read the lyrics, check the metaphors, and then you hear the song, and it's like hard to make out what he's saying. It's just, a, it's just a statement of fact. It's just a more accessible piece of music, and this is going to sound great in clubs, great on the radio, great live. Like, if you're walking past this in a festival and you hear this, you're more likely to be steered in, aren't you? Um, yeah. it's, just, it's just a more accessible piece of music. I think that's where their success is going to lie moving forward. Sam, so I think Libertine might be the best chorus on this record. I fucking massive. love it. I uh, adore the chorus on Libertine. The way Sam bursts through that track and delivers this kind of sumptuous flow just dazzles me that song that that's another song that and a lot of these like you were making that point before so many of these songs could be played in nightclubs or so many of these songs could just easily fit into architect set list and and not have to kind of substitute anything out for it in terms of oh well if we put this in we might we might, we might go on too much of a lull for the crowd and so we, we, we should leave that out and keep the fast pacing now there's so much tempo change so much interest so many fascinating timepieces to this song to the songs on this record that implanting the whole album flipping switch into a live set wouldn't lose anything for the band the chorus on libertine oh man i i, I can't stop listening to it so brilliant it's huge it's, it's, a, it's a reminder of what is on this album they found a formula haven't they um, it's the, it, the, with the with the huge choruses, with the snaky sort of riffs, with the returning to the chorus, with its slightly different tempo or slightly different drum beat, adjusting to it to make it feel different. Um, and it's just another another massive architect song. I agree. I think now maybe this is because I've listened to it two or three times. I think that in terms of like playing live, they could interchange a few of these songs and it wouldn't lose any of the power. So like they could decide one night they're going to play. Um, Discourse is Dead and Giving Blood. The next time they could play uh, Libertine and Animals. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, yeah. they're probably going to play like six or seven tracks, but I, I think there's like two or three that they could just drop and change and it wouldn't change because of the quality so consistent here. And I think this is just another example of that. I was um, I was surprised actually that we got to 11 and 12 songs and really there was only maybe one, one and a half that I'm sort of ambivalent towards. Um, 
Want to talk about the next song as well? Mate, here we go. So I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say this is the fav- your favourite thing Simon Neal has ever done. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Um, like, honest to God, uh, when he first came in, on the, on the feature, I was like, oh, please don't let to be one of those, Biffy. Like, sort of, when he's just, you know, when he's like, when he's just singing and it's like long extended vocal notes and I'm like, oh, not this. Uh, it's like someone interrupted a great meal to tell you like, you know, a car crash or something like it was just a lull. Uh, but then the end. Oh. Who, knew, who, knew, who knew he still had that in him? Like, I know that he's got that in his closet. I don't, I don't, don't be the, you know, don't shout at me. Like, Biffy fans out there being, well, actually, he screams on several songs. I know. But I, he hasn't done it for five, ten years. Um, but this is fantastic. The, the, the way that they have structured, they've, they've written that riff and picked him to fit that. Because the, the scratching raw tones is really, you don't hear it for the rest of the album. And it suits his screaming. And, and when he kicks into that sort of chaotic sound at the end, it was so impressive. Yeah. It really, really worked as a change of tempo. And uh, yeah, it is really, really, really good. I so say without, without, without exaggeration or even sarcasm at all, it is terrific. Um, and he's a good fit for that song. Um, I actually would argue he's probably the best feature on the album. Like, I would agree. Really? I would agree. I, I because, think because that... the dichotomy between that hate him in the song, if it works perfectly, it's a better fit. No, I agree. I, I think objectively, Goliath is the best song on the album. I, I love, I love Dead Butterflies because I there's something about that song that brings a personal connection from me to it. I don't know what it is. Uh, that song, I'm just obsessed with. I get goosebumps every time Sam comes in. And says, "I want to bother God." I just, it just gets me. I don't know what it is, but for Goliath, for Goliath, I think objectively, if you're looking at st- taking a step back and picking each song apart, but what it does transitions, how it uses certain elements of the song to its strengths, I think Goliath is probably pound for pound the best song on the record. Terrific so, riff as well. Terrific riff. Simon's, riff. Simon's guest is incredible. I love Biffy Clyro, so I was never concerned whatsoever. But I was all, I was always fascinated for your take on it because you're not a fan of Biffy Clyro. I absolutely am. So I, I was absolutely never concerned about that. But just, mate, look at the guests they've got. Huh? Simon Neal from Biffy Clyro, Mike Kerr from Royal Blood, Winston McCall from Parkway Drive. Three massive, massive bands. And I love the architects are at this status, man. It's well, that that's man, the thing. It's amazing. These are these are, these are now architects' peers. Yeah, yeah, amazing. That, that that that's what this that's what this shows. These are no longer like a level above. They're sharing stage space with them on their album. This is a this bit of a symbolic moment for them in that way. Um, can we just agree that Demigod should have been a bonus track? Yeah, yeah, uh, Demi Demigod. Nothing wrong with it, but bring it out in six months in extended edition. Yeah, I feel like Demigod. Is, I feel like Demigod is kind of placating to the rest of the album almost. I, yeah, Demigod absolutely could have been. It could have been a bonus track. Meteor, though, Sam. Oh, that riff at the start, mate. Get at see, me. See, that was uh, the last song they re- the last single they released before the album. How can you not be overcome by that opening riff? How, like because oh. it's oddly, I know it sounds strange. But for me personally, more so than animals, I've seen people take kind of 
issues with Meteor in terms of it signalling where the band are going to go. And I'm thinking, if you're an Architects fan, I don't understand what you don't like about this song. That riff from Josh Middleton at the start, who, who again, Josh Middleton, my God, that bloke is absurd. And Adam Christensen, who's who's a rhythm guitarist as well, is amazing. Um, but going back to Meteor, mate, that opening riff is so, so sick. It's like a 15-second example of everything that's great about this album. It is the architects that you love with a grandeur expanded by 85%. Fucking great. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. It's really, really good. Um, I think because... I think it's actually let down a little bit because it's because it follows Demigod, because it's so far down in the album. I think, I think, but because by that point, you sort of, it follows, it follows a certain, um, a certain pattern with some of the others. It's very similar to Giving Blood, I feel, especially that riff at the start. Um, and the sort of the transitions and the way that they sort of repeat the chorus at the end and big expansive endings. Um, I feel that if this was like maybe like track 11, track 12, and you cut a couple of these out, it would feel like a nice concluding, a, a nice, concluding last heavy number before before the ballad which i mean it is the album it is the classic album stereotype that you finish on a ballad um but this is um legitimately very good mate um, as well oh my god dying is absolutely safe i was legitimately like emotional hearing that song i didn't cry or anything but like I, i was choked up man like knowing what they've been through that they've been through grief counseling and they've had the strength to write this stunning, heartfelt track about trying not to be scared when you're confronting death. And again, reading that Metal Hammer piece, which is brilliant, by the way, uh, inspired by an Ozzy Osbourne documentary where during the documentary, Ozzy Osbourne is told by his doctor, uh, unfortunately, uh, John, you've got Parkinson's. Uh, And Ozzy Osbourne's like, is it terminal? And the doctor's like, no, but life is. Sam saw that and said, we've got to get this weed into the album somewhere. And it's a great line, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And But the final lyric of this album, Sam, is death is not my enemy. What an amazing, brilliant, incredible summation, final lyric on this album, considering everything this band has been through considering that Tom Searle was the lead songwriter, that he tragically, tragically died, that Dan Searle took over songwriting, released Holy Hell, for me, the best British metal record in just years. And then after that, the grief counselling, which I believe still goes on to this day, they've wrote this brave, brave, bold new step into completely uncharted territory for them. And the final lyric on the album is Death Is Not My Enemy. Mate. Lovely mirror into the opening of Holy Hell with Death Is Not Defeat. As yeah, well. almost, yes. Almost like the opening of a process is closing. Yeah. With uh, the final song on, on this. I um, Now, we're a day ahead of release, which is fantastic, but I'm going to go out on a limb here, Pew, if you'd like to, to join me equally limbless and suggest that this is going to do what architects want this to do for them. Yeah, this is it. This is it. I, I am willing to bet right now that this goes number one. I'm confident that it will. I am also willing to bet that by 2024, Architects will have headlined download. One of the next three downloads will be headlined by Architects. 
That's what you're saying. I believe it will. I think this is it. I, I, I really believe this is it for them, Sam. And I say that I say that I believe this is it for them, as if as if like they've struggled in terms of size before and they've finally got their breakout. Absolutely not. I just mean that I think that this is the album that can could oh. take them into superstardom. Oh, mate, I just right. I think I think it's it's not my uh, it's not my favourite architects album. My favourite architects album will probably forever be Holy Hell. I don't think I'll ever hear an architect's album or hear many. Holy Hell's one of my favourite albums, full stop. Not just one of my favourite yeah. architect's albums. Yeah. So, uh, Holy Hell will forever be my favourite architect's album. And we're too, I've only listened to this three times, so I'm not going to start trying to list off my, my kind of rundown of architect's albums. But I, outside of Demigod, I genuinely, genuinely don't believe they could have rolled the dice and landed on a better number than for those that wish to exist. And the album is actually so good that uh, was this even a roll of the dice? This band are so tremendous, are just so far ahead of so many others that actually was this a roll of the dice? They were they knew all along they were brilliant enough to do this. Yeah, I, I, I agree. The only the only odds against them was the fact that they are right at the top of the roller coaster and this final notch is the most difficult one to get to. And so many bands have stopped where architects are right now. So many um, from like Machine Head to Sepultura to Megadeth. There are years, Tool even, legendary bands that have never quite yeah. made the leap. Machine quite made the leap. Yeah, and I will yeah, talk about uh, Lamb of God and I will talk about Tool, they've headlined download, but that... That wasn't happening in 2006 when they released their fourth album. That's happened because 15 years later, people are like, oh, shit, it's all really good. It's not happening in the moment. It's very difficult for that to happen in the moment. Um, and this might be what this might be what is happening, happening here. Um, at least in this country, I can absolutely see architects doing a humongous tour that includes them playing the NIA equivalent shows, Manchester MEN. Obviously, the support, the supporting cast would have to be huge. Yeah. Um, but their last supporting act was pretty huge and they played Alexandra Palace and that's 10,000 people. Yeah. And they did it with, um, was it Thigh Murder and While She Sleeps. Um, oh, uh, yeah. What a gig. And it was, it was Architects While She Sleeps counterparts and supporting them at Wembley Arena. Oh, shit. I can't remember. Um, it wasn't Beartooth. It wasn't Beartooth, was it? Was Beartooth and Polaris. Is it Beartooth and Polaris? I think we, so. We've been, we've been, Tooth and Polaris definitely. So, I think it might have been. Kill Switch Engage and Thigh Artist Murder was another one. That they supported Parkway. Parkway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, regardless, the point that you're making is um, there would obviously, as with most shows that sell uh, that are in an arena, there needs to be a strong supporting cast as well, unless you're fucking Metallica. Um, but and even even Meta- even Metallica do stadium shows and they bring out like. Bullet for Valentine, Avengers Sevenfold, and stuff, and that's why America like it. They're not, they're not on their own. Yeah. So, so I, I think, I think, I think that this is, this is going to do what they it needs to do for them. And as we, so you people can guess listening to this, as we agree that it should, this is, this is a terrific, this is a terrific album. I'm going to put it to you, Sam, just to start closing off here. In the last two and a half years, there have been right. three bands that have taken a major sonic leap in a different direction parkway drive bring me the horizon and architects one of them 
has done it better than the other two, go for it. Um, the, the, the thing is, you're not asking me for my preference. Because um, the, the, the answer reads, bring me the horizon, isn't it? Um, in terms of the band that has done this the best. But in terms of, from a musical standpoint, the smoothest transition is Architects. Uh, bring yeah. me the horizon, cut off their arm and replaced it with something else entirely and said, we don't have an arm anymore. We don't like the arm anymore. We're going to use this bionic arm instead. Whereas architects have, have gone to the gym and added muscles to their already existing arms. Like it's a development yeah. of what they already have. Um, and that is those are two entirely different processes. Um, and I think a lot of that is born from the fact that architects have been thoroughly accepted by the metal industry for 15 years. And I think that's, that's an entirely separate podcast. Um, but I think this is a smoother transition. I think, I think it's, it's actually smoother than the Parkway one, but only because Parkway were coming from a heavier place to get to where they got to. The leap was bigger for Parkway in terms of their musical side. I mean, like two albums ago, they were like deathcore, death metal, metalcore kings. And then Reverence is very far away from that. That's a bigger leap over the course of two albums. Whereas I think Architects have done it right in terms of God's holy hell and this is nice, incremental, carefully thought out and calculated steps that somehow have still been made despite the extraordinary um, circumstances that they've been, they've been surrounded with. Um, for them to become more successful after losing their main songwriter, there is no parallel for that in music. No, no. There, is, there, 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 is, there is not. People can talk about Cliff Burton. Cliff Burton was the one of three songwriters. Um, this is like losing your main guy and then being able to regenerate in this fashion is inconceivable. And to make the strike that they have is, 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 is extraordinary. This is, um, regardless of what your opinion is, even if you come on saying it's not for me, this is a success. This is a successful album, whatever your opinion of it is. I love this record. I love this band. I think that I agree with you. Musically, I think this is the best of the three that I mentioned. You cannot look past Bring Me The Horizon in terms of what they have done with Ammo, in terms of used it as a vehicle to transcend into this superstar band. And Bring Me The Horizon now have become... I have said to you, Sam, that the problem with 21st Century Alternative Music is that we've only made two superstars, Avenged Sevenfold and Slipknot. I think actually now because of Bring Me The Horizon, what they did after Ammo, I think that it's fair maybe for us to say there's been three and Bring Me The Horizon yeah. the third. Um, yeah. I, after For Those That Wish To Exist, I think that in two years we will have the ability to say there's been four in Architects. I, I really I believe so. in this album. I think so too. And the one that has not strayed as far as the others to achieve yeah. that success. Like... If you're a metal fan, you should still feel like Architects are your band. Absolutely. Part of your um, your narrative. In the same way that Metalheads still have an allegiance to Slipknot. Like, you, you can argue that duality is, like, melodic and stuff, but it, people love that record, and, and it did wonders for them, psychosocials, and memories, and that sort of stuff, you know? Whatever. Same with Avenged Sevenfold. People can roll their eyes and say they suck. Nightmare comes on. It's a floor filler. And, and they, they play stadiums. And there's ten thousand people there every time. Um, they they still feel a bit like a metal band. Obviously, bring me the divorce was harder um, because of several reasons. Obviously, 
um, for going for that. But this one as well, it doesn't feel like architects um, have lost a, a hint of heaviness. And I, and I think if you're just listening to the fact that there's choruses and thinking, all right, they're, they're, they're melodic now, then I don't think you're paying enough attention. You're not listening to the whole body of work because this is as intense, this is as heavy as anything that they've released since All Our Gods were banned in what? Is that 2015, 2016? 2016, um, I believe, All Our Gods have abandoned us. Yeah. Um, so that's, five, that's five, five, five years in the three albums. And the prolific nature as well for them to be able to consistently put it is, is commendable too. But yeah, meandering aside, this is an incredibly successful, powerful, um, potentially future-changing or defining album for this band at a time that they absolutely needed it and almost certainly, absolutely, without question, deserved it. And uh, this this is a celebration for metal. Um, this is These are the albums that keep metal relevant um, because the next two to three years, kids will hear Architects on the radio and listen and get into the genre and then go to gigs and it will go through word of mouth. No one starts with Corpse Grinder. You know, you work, you, you work there, you listen to Led Zeppelin, you hear Metallica on the radio, or, you know, Kiss, whatever. You don't start, the, you know, with like Dimmu Borgir or whatever. You have to get there. And this, these, these are the albums that we need to keep doing that, to keep flying the flag of metal. And power to them. I think this is a tremendous success. I look forward to it, what it brings them. How are you feeling, dude? Pretty good, man. Mate, since I pressed play today, I've just been so desperate to talk to you. We didn't share one message with each other about this album. Not one. I had absolutely no I nearly just sent you a succession of gifts without context. <laughs> yeah, I, I was considering sending, sending you a few jokes about how sick I was finding it, but I'm glad we didn't. I didn't have a single idea about what you thought of this album. I am overjoyed that you love it as much as I do. Um, that brings to an end the episode 59 of the Noise podcast uh, and our review of Architect's ninth record for those that wish to exist out on the 26th of February via Epitaph Records. Uh, if you're still listening, thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed that. Uh, give us a subscription on YouTube if that's where you're listening or wherever you are listening, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever it might be. Uh, give us a, a follow, a like or a subscription. Uh, we're going to be back next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, uh, me and Sam are going to be viewing the new album from Pupil Slicer, uh, as well as me doing a Chris Meets first time ever with the entire Pupil Slicer band. That's never happened before. Uh, there will also be another album review that we're going to chuck in there as well, but I'm currently sifting through the list and seeing what we've got there and what I want to throw at Sam. Um, thank you so much for all your support thus far. We are going to be back next Tuesday with episode 60. For now, for those that wish to exist, is amazing. Architects are incredible. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on Tuesday. Bye.